Hello and welcome to The Swim Brief. I am Chris DeSantis and I am joined as I am nearly every week by Joel Rawlings. Joel, how are you? I'm great, Chris. Good to see you. Nice, nice yeah, to see good you. To... With the Holiday Inn going behind you or what? I don't know what's going on, but that's all right. You go... Again, most people are probably just listen to a podcast. And they don't know the disheveled life that you're obviously living. So that's that's a good thing. Keep keep throwing out that that fame faux professionalism thing you got working for you. Go ahead. I'm actually in my home office. We are oh. testing a new setup for recording the podcast. Great. Um, so everybody, let me know what they think of the acoustics in this room. But I'm in my home office. Oh, that's um, why you scattered everything like that. It's 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 for the acoustics. Yeah. That's exactly. Exactly. Right. Um, once I start putting mattresses up on the walls, that's when you know, you know, that we'll really. Right. Attain- or tomorrow after um, some more of women's NCAA Division One championships have gone on. But we both came with just like a kind of more of a concept to discuss. We're, we're not really going to get into specific races and race analysis or analysis of the team competition at NCAAs. We're going to do what we do best on this podcast, which is just, uh, you know, start, start a conversation about some topic and try to get through it. So I'm, I'm going to lead off. And oh, I'm a little nervous, but go ahead. Let's just hear where you're going with this. Joel is nervous because he knows what I said I was going to talk about ahead of time. And um, I'll I'll start here. Okay. I was looking at the relay results last night. And uh, people listen to this podcast know famously probably somewhere, I don't know, around a year ago, um, I went off for a long time talking about Stanford women's, uh, the Stanford women's team. And the point that I was making at that time was that I don't think it is a good option if you are an athlete that is trying to be successful in international competition, which a lot of the athletes, as far as I can tell, that go to Stanford do. If you look at their recruiting class, that, that seems to me to be a goal that they have. I don't think it's a good option. And I walked through a lot of different swimmers that I saw that sort of came in there with some real international potential that that just didn't develop uh, competitively while they were at Stanford. And I was looking last night. I kind of want to make a different point, um, and it's going to feel like I'm picking on Stanford and Greg Meehan again. Um, but, you know, I've talked to Greg Meehan since. I think he's a big, big, big man. I think he can take it. Um, I don't think – I think he's been as successful as he has. He got to be the Olympic coach not by dwelling on um, the negativity spewed by a podcaster. And actually, I think that he can be a big part of um, a positive piece of this. So, so what is the point I want to make? Well, the point that I want to make is I was looking at their ninth place finish. They've got Claire Cruzan, who is by far the best freshman coming into college swimming on that relay. And they get ninth. And I texted somebody else and I said, like, they've got Claire Cruzan on a relay and they got ninth. Okay. Then the person texts me back to go, well, their breaststroke wasn't very good on their medley relay. I said, did you know that their breaststroker was a junior pan pack silver medalist coming into college? So when you say that their breaststroke is not very, breaststroker is not very good. And I'm not, I, the, the point I'm trying to make here is not about picking on Greg Meehan or even picking on these individual swimmers. 
but that it's not for lack of talent that Stanford um, is getting nine. But I'm getting to my bigger point here, which is I think we have a collective problem. I don't think this is about me and I don't think this is about Stanford. I think this is about swimming, the community, all of us, myself included, and you too, Joel. Um, we have a problem in that our collective knowledge about how to coach women sucks. It sucks. We do not do a good job coaching women. And the fact that this is the gold standard, this is the Olympic coach. This is meant to be the best women's swimming coach. But like, I feel like I'm ripping my hair out because people, the way people talk about it, they just go, well, yeah, you know, coaching women is, it's hard. You know, it's just hard for women to improve at that age. And I, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel that anymore. I, I, I think what we have is not good enough. And by pretending that it's just hard um, and not admitting to ourselves that it's not good enough, we haven't even started to reckon with like, how could we actually make, how could we actually, as a sport, as a collective coaching body, get good at coaching women? What do you think, Joel? Um, yeah, so this is kind of all these uh, things you're saying. So I wasn't in that text stream, so I, I didn't know this is the direction you're going to go. But um, I, I'm taking what you had to say, though, and I'm thinking about it. I, I think about um, one of the things that I like with, like, a Katie Ledecky um, – swimming as long into her career as she has is kind of blowing through the idea that women um, would peak at a certain age and that was it. You know, I think a lot of the data we had in exercise physiology was based on what used to be of like, again, you know, women would be able to get into college athletics and then their, their careers would end at 21, maybe 22 if, if they hit an Olympic year or something like that. But it was always at 21, 22 versus the stuff that would happen with, um, you know, with, with, with adult males is they could keep on going into professional sports for years and years. And so you kind of knew where our power peaked out, our being male, um, where, where different uh, factors would come in and things like that. And so I, I think that we were limited in our data collection on, on female athletes for years. And I think now with the rise of professional sports at WNBA, uh, professionalism of, of swimming, we can start to see um, that, you know, how women can keep on improving. Cause you used to be like, you know, breaststroke or well, once they're over the age of, you know, 14, the elastic nature of the tendons and the knees are going down. And so therefore, but it also turns out, well, well, that was just kind of a, a, an excuse, I guess. Um, you know, I, I would go more the sociological route is, is think about, you know, beyond just swimming, uh, the pressures that are on women in general, when they're going into to a university, uh, and then also competing at a high level and, um, you know, obviously getting their degrees at a, at a, at a great college and things. I think there's a lot on women athletes and um, I'm always hesitant to talk on the subject. Obviously, just just being, you know, the white male, what, you know, that, that's all women really seem to need is one more white male weighing in on what they do right and wrong. Um, I, I think what we need is more women head coaches in this country. I think we need more women in leadership roles in this country, in this sport, you know, the sport, obviously, you know, if I go to an age group meet, I would say that the sport is more like 60, 40 or 70, 30 in some places, as far as women to men, but on the coaching deck, it's, it's almost all 
white males. And so um, I would like to see a little more diversity in, in the coaching ranks, uh, especially at the high level like that. Again, uh, um, again, the pressures and things I coached women for years, the pressures that women are under uh, were immense, you know, on, on a lot of different levels. And, um, and so that's, the, that's where I would say, again, it's nothing that I can even under, begin to understand. And so accountability and things like that, sure, we can, we can throw that out there. But in the end, um, I really have no idea what is going on in, in, in uh, you know, a woman that's going to Stanford and all the pressures that are on her the whole life. Uh, you think about it in swimming and in any sport where a lot of these athletes were the best athlete on their team, for sure. The best athlete mm-hmm. in their county or state, for sure, or the region or their part of the country, junior national winners, whatever they want. You know, a lot of things were laid out differently for them uh, moving up to the point, And then all of a sudden, hey, you're on a B relay. And again, I'm not saying the people that you, you mentioned. You know, again, you, you throw out a couple of names. Obviously, then that becomes kind of like the, the iron uh, – the Iron Man, the, you know, the straw man argument, the Iron Man argument. Well, of course, they can do it. They, they're whatever they are. Um, I, I look at, like, you know, the, the, the book Moneyball, you know, with the idea of Billy Bean. Here's a guy who is, you know, fantastic in his sport, moves up the ranks, never failed, and that becomes one of those things that ends up holding him back. It's like when all of a sudden things change, whether it's the pressure for these athletes at school, the pressure of being on that particular team, uh, the rigors and expectations that come with it and being on their own for the first time, uh, you know, it, it takes a special skill set to be able to go, okay, I'm going to start from the bottom when they've never started from the bottom. You know, not, not that that's a bad thing. I mean, you, it's just they were, they were elite all the way through. And then all of a sudden, here you are, and there, there's risks and challenges and beyond just the swimming world that you have to cope with and deal with. So, again, that was kind of a long answer for, yeah, one more white guy sounding in on women. That's the last thing they need. Well, and you know, like I can see, I can hear the people as you're making that argument, you know, I can hear people maybe cringing at this piece of it, sure. but I want to make actually a, a positive, <laughs> I want to make a positive argument for diversity in coaching. Because if you start with my thesis, which is we have a problem, right? Then that problem is that collectively we are not very good at coaching women. We don't create a real positive, like adult experience for women in the sport of swimming. We just haven't really figured out collectively how to do that. Well, if, if we accept that as the problem, then what's the solution? You, you make, you, you, you make my point in when you say, well, like from my own life experience, I don't really know what's going on. Well, let's get some people in the room who know what's going on, who yeah. know what's being experienced at that level. Those are the people that are going to help us figure this out, right? The people who can tell us from their own life experience, like, hey, I, I, you know, like I really didn't enjoy swimming in college and I don't think I really reached my potential and here's what it was like. Th- those, that's going to be the starting point for figuring any of this out. Um. And we need them in the room collectively when we're figuring it, figuring it out. I mean, I, and I, I get, I, I talk to people all the time who are doing hiring, right. And who I think agree and say, you know, like we've got to get more, uh, more women, at least they, they at least uh, 
are it bought into that level of diversity. Like we need more women in coaching. And then they go like, yeah, but you know, when I go to post a job, like I can't get any women to apply to my job. Right. And I understand that. Um, one thing I would say to people is maybe don't make that the point at which you try to promote diversity. Go, go a different way. Um, I can tell you that, you know, on any given week, uh, I'm talking to a fairly large group of women that coach swimming and that, that that's pretty representative because there's not that many of them out there. And how did I accomplish that? Well, I introduced myself on a pool deck. I wrote them an email and introduced myself and asked them to come on the phone and tried to get to know them. Like the basic blocking and tackling. There's so many people out there who just say, well, there's no women. There's no women. There's no women. There are women. They're there. And one of the things I can tell you they're struggling with on a daily basis is um, the fact that they are kind of excluded. We think of swimming as, you know, this like tiny community and you, you go talk to somebody who coaches at a faraway land and you realize like, oh, you actually both have this coaching person in common because it's really only, you know, swim coaches. It's like it's in the thousands of people. But a lot of the women that are in our sport, they're in their own community. They're not in the community that you and I perceive. And so we're just sitting on the inside going, hey, uh, you know, why, do, why don't any women want to be in our community? Well, I don't know. Has anybody invited them in? Has anybody made them feel like um, they're a part of everything else that's going on? Has, you know, like it's just, um, I think, but I still think at the beginning, there's a collective lack of willing to admit that there's a problem here. Um, and if I could go in like a positive direction, in it, I think UVA is going to run away with this meet. And one of the reasons that UVA is going to run away with this meet is because they get really good recruits and they develop and swim faster. And just that basic ability, which is something you would expect from like most collegiate division one men's programs that sets them that's like makes them a super team in women's swimming so like being an be, being average in terms of men's coaching makes you exceptional in women's coaching swimming i think too one of the things that you you, you talked about and i hear this from club coaches sometimes also when uh, you know club coaches always will look at their one athlete and if that athlete is not successful at the university a lot of times i hear that um, it's because there's no accountability at, at, at that next level up where, you know, if this person is not swimming fast on that team as 13, 14, 15, 16, mom's going to tell them all about it. The high school coach is going to tell them all about it. There's another club they can just jump off to. They're going to leave. And so the pressure's on for them to go. And plus there's, you know, only so many kids in the community that are swimming. You need to like, again, the, the, the old adage of polishing diamonds. And I think that's, I think there's, there's, there's an element of that, that that's true in that um, when you have a college athlete, it's there, you know, obviously they're there for four years, but there's another kid coming next year and another kid coming the year after that, another year kid coming the year after that. And so part of you 
as a coach, you're also kind of the GM of, of you know, signing contracts. You know, you're, you're signing how much of the, you know, your scholarship base you're giving out there and how much you got for the people coming in. And then if this person's not living up to this, you're already kind of thinking a little bit, what's that next thing? You know, it's kind of like one foot's always a little bit out the door, you know, um, and it's kind of a harsh way to think about it. And, but I, I think that's how some places are where you, you know, you have no problem getting recruits, then you can get, it's a lot easier to recruit whatever time you want than it is to create the time you want sometimes, you know? And so if you want a, a 58 breaststroker, then it's a lot easier to go find the 58 five and like, well, we, we can shave off a half seconds versus whatever we have right then and there. So I, I think that's one of the, the problems is that, is that, um, a lot of our sport has become professionalized to the point where, you know, the, the, the players become commodities where it's like, this is, this is what we need. This is the time we need versus this is the person we need. This is the fit we need. And one of the things I enjoyed about coaching where I was always coaching was this is the athlete I've got, you know, and, and um, I used to joke with my assistant coach all the time. We're like, when, when someone was pretty quick coming and like, all right, what's wrong? <laughs> why, why are they coming to us? Let, let's, let's figure out what, what we need to do to adapt. And a lot of times there was something like, you know, they couldn't handle bigger yardage. They had some stroke technique flaw. They had something like that, that we could provide uh, that we'd, we'd give a little extra time versus like, for instance, we had a, a flyer who's a, a, you know, she's an all American, really a, g- a good storm of the best recruit we'd had. And she was coming to us because she knew that we weren't going to grind. They were going to work a lot on the stroke technique that we're going to listen to her. Uh, we weren't going to find another person this fast again. So we had to, you know, everything was there. We, we had to make sure that we did what we could versus the, we can find someone else. You know, this is too much, too many issues to deal with. Why don't you just take the medical red shirt? You get your scholarship and we'll go find someone else at the same time. So in a sense, I think if we're, if we're going to look at the, the overall big pictures and not picking on teams, I think in the division one culture, especially uh, the, the ability to go get another kid, you know, to to get the kid to get into the transfer portal so you can get someone else to come in, to get someone off the transfer portal. Again, it's like you're trading stocks uh, more than helping develop and shape lives. Well, and I, again, I, I am going to harp on this point one one more time to expand upon what you're saying is it's, it, it, it's a different equation in women's swimming versus men's swimming. So when you look at recruiting, recruiting has outsized value right now in division one women's swimming, because you're looking for, if you, if you go to the commodity level, you're looking for more of a mature commodity. Like you, you don't really in the same way, bank on your ability to develop somebody. You're just looking for a finished product. And if the finished product doesn't work out, let's get a new one in versus like men's recruiting in at the division one level is quite a bit more about projecting into the future right. how good somebody's going to be versus like that we need this person to be ready to go right now because we can't really count on our ability to develop them in any shape or form and they might actually regress performance wise from from where we start so we want to at least start at a high enough level that that if there's regression it's still good enough for us competitively um and it's just i think we can do better I really do. I, I, I think we're going to live in an era someday where it's not, it's not, you know, it's not just acceptable that in women's swimming in college, 
most like the overwhelming majority of swimmers just don't improve. They don't get faster in swimming. I, I think we can figure that out. This, this, this is, I guess, my my optimistic uh, finish to this discussion. I used to like the, uh, the the data, like college swimming, and, and again, I've really looked on there for a while when they would show the the rate of improvement on on teams with different individuals and things like that. And and you could definitely see it at certain levels. There was a lot more improvement. And so obviously people would say, well, at Division three, then, of course, you're getting an athlete who might not have swam year round and all of a sudden they're swimming longer. They're lifting. They can do a lot of things. But I think part of it, too, is just, um, again, the, the relationship, I think, changes uh, when it's Division one. When it becomes, there's a transaction involved, I, I think that there's a certain dynamic that changes. And that's another aspect. So I'm kind of. So, so I think part of the, the thing here is, is, you know, I'm still just kind of talking through some, some of the ideas he's throwing out, and I'm always kind of trying to steer it towards uh, away from, like, what people might have done wrong and kind of, like, what, what could be done differently. And one of those things, again, when that transactional nature takes its place, it's the first time that that's ever happened in this kid's life. So, like I said earlier, this might be the first time where they weren't the, on the A relay, that they were over in, hey, you're in lane seven working with the graduate assistant, you know, and they've never talked to anyone yeah. about that coach their whole life and that's part of it too is they've only had to talk to one coach their whole life who knows everything about that individual like again you when you coach a kid long enough they walk in the pool deck you're like hey something's wrong what's going on you doing all right and you can talk to them because you know about their lives you know about their families brothers sisters whatever it might be uh and in this it's like everything is new for these kids you know they're in a new state possibly in a dorm with a person they've never met before or they met once or twice on a recruiting trip They've got a new coaching staff. They've got all new professors. So there's all these things going on there. And I know men have that also. But, again, we have to recognize there are going to be you know, gender differences in all this. There's also differences across individuals, too, where there's a lot of transitions like that. And then also this coach is no longer kind of like all about that athlete. You know, they're partially they're, – of course, they're about that athlete. But, again, it's transactional. I, I expect you to perform at a certain level. I expect – this to be done you know there, there's no like hey i'm just going to take today off kind of a thing you know, it's, it's pretty pretty rare for a team to be like that um but I, I think that's part of it as well is again everything changes when you're going from your club swimmer your high school swimmer that coaching dynamic and that relationship that the athlete has is different off to college everything's new everything's different all at once and yeah. um so again i I don't have enough background in sociology to know the difference like this. But again, I just know that, for instance, when I would talk to the, the women's basketball coach, because I was always trying to get better at coaching uh, the women athletes, was I, was I would talk to the women's basketball coach who was female and just, just ask her, what about this, what about that? And one of the things that she found was like she couldn't keep a lot of extra athletes on the bus. You know, if they weren't playing, they were going to quit. That's just how it was. The men's basketball program never had that problem. They, they had a bunch of guys that wanted that identity of being a basketball player. And if they were on the bench and, you know, they got the uniform and they got to travel, that was good enough for them. And, of course, that's not 100% people, but that was, that was the generalities that they both said. And, and I just would talk about that with those coaches because when I was building up a, the, the team where I coached, it was a business program school. It was an accounting school. And there just aren't a lot of women that are into accounting. And so – I had to really work hard to make sure that the, the women that we got there, that were happy that they're going to stay. And part of being happy was they're being successful. They felt like they're improving. And eventually you get to the point of a team where not everyone is going to make that conference team. Not everyone is going to go to nationals. 
Now everyone gets to travel all the time. And so we had to make sure that there are elements that they were happy about because, again, they could just walk away. It, it, was, it was that simple. It's just like if my recruiting didn't stop you know, that when they committed. My recruiting was all the way through week three on campus because at any point I, figured, I thought that any of these athletes, but especially the women, they'll just find something else they kind of like. It's kind of nice not swimming. I'm going to join the debate team or whatever it is, and, and that's it. I would never see them again. And so I, I think there is something definitely different about the genders as far as their identity that they take from sport, and, and that's part of that what needs to be addressed as well is, is how, do, how do we create more inclusion? Uh, how do we get it so that, uh, again, that, that we understand what their goals are besides just the swimming goal or being on a relay goal uh, and, and that we get to make sure that there's a certain level that they feel like they're getting something out of that transaction besides just a tuition waiver. Yeah, and I okay, so I I think we've taught this one to death because probably I have one more. Yeah, I have one more thing I want to say, but I think this is like a whole nother pod for us. Like All right, just hearing it as you're talking about it, so I'm just going to throw it out here. Then I want to get to um, what you what you brought to the pod, and and that is you and a lot of what you're describing, I can hear kind of a theory of how women and girls are institutionalized into sport, and I think. One of the key issues that goes undiscussed in terms of adding women to the coaching ranks is, you know, like women will get more opportunities, for instance, at the collegiate level to coach women. But most of those women that are coaching at the collegiate level, the athletes that they recruit have have been institutionalized not to recognize women as a coaching figure in their lives. They are most likely coming out of a system where they did not have a woman coaching them. And I, I, I really think that creates a lot of problems um, at the elite level. And what's one of the reasons why we see women at that elite level having, having a really hard time because even the women that they are coaching have been sort of institutionalized with sexist assumptions about what a coach should be. And one of those things is not a woman. Um, but that's a whole nother podcast for us. What, what are you thinking about when you're watching the NCAA meet Joel? Let's switch, let's switch it up here. Um, I just, the big thing I kind of watch is, is I just been thinking about the difference uh, from long course to short course. So I mean, just always wondering what all is going to translate into long course as, as you get back to it. Um, Again, I always like to watch the NCAAs. I, I, I love the enthusiasm. I love, I love the, like just the sharpness of the, the relay exchanges, the turns, everything like that. Is really something I really zero in on because again, it's, it's short course swimming. You know, it's just how well you jump off a wall, how well you maintain that in your swim, then how well you jump off the next wall. And I, so, so that part's interesting to me, um, and just the subtle differences that that will happen with strokes. Um, I really enjoy that aspect of it. Um, and I, I think, um, you know, again, it's more like, it's just kind of like, uh, it's like watching a Marvel movie, you know, and it's just kind of fun. You know, I just kind of let it, it's, it's nice. I got no dogs in the race, you know, dogs in the fight. I'm just like, Hey, let's just, just watch and have a good time with it. Um, but again, it, it, I'd like to take these clips then at some point I nerd out and kind of look at like what they did in long course swimming, like, especially when they have the elite swims, and just kind of see what, what, what's really kind of valued in those races uh, versus the short course race. 
Yeah, I mean, we went, mentioned UVA earlier. I, I'm assuming based if you like watching all that kind of stuff, you know, you, you say you have no dog in the race, but you must enjoy dog in the fight. You're watching dog in the fight. Yeah, okay, whatever. You know, um, I'm assuming you must enjoy UVA. Like yeah, you must yeah. enjoy what's going on at UVA because I feel, and, and it, it's relevant to your conversation, I feel that a lot of the innovative stuff that is coming out of UVA is has an outsized benefit on short course swimming and some people like you know i think when they're gossiping will go like well like you know desorbo has to prove himself long course blah blah blah, blah. his job is to make uva right, right competitive in the ncaa where they 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 do yards swimming like i think there's just an assumption in swimming where we just go well if you're going to be the NCAA winning coach, that's sort of like the path to being the Olympic coach. So, you know, you're also our Olympic developmental coach. But as far as I can tell, uh, you know, like the checks are getting cut for Todd DeSorbo and his staff by UVA. And what UVA would like is for them to win NCAAs in swimming. And that's a short course yards meet. So I guess that's sort of my defense of um, that, you know, like I, I love watching that stuff too. Like I, I just love the skill part of the sport. I do think that short course yard swimming plays a big role in why swimming, why United States swimming is, is so dominant nationally. I just think like uh, we have a developmental system where athletes have to learn these skills to be able to compete with each other. And then we can, we can kind of figure out long course from there. Whereas I think a lot of other countries in the world are just like start from long course and then like, ah, uh, yeah, but skills aren't that important. Cause like, it's really, you know, about how they swim from, from point to point. And um, I don't know, that's just a theory that I have, but you had something you wanted to talk about in terms of like feedback after the race, right? That's what that was in our. Yeah. I, I thought you know, kind of ties in now with a lot of championship meets wrapping up. And, and at one point we kind of talked about, you know, what to say after a race. And mm -hmm. I was thinking about this once with, um, I, I had a swimmer, like um, this is old school days back when instead of the digital boards, you know, where the, 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 the numbers would kind of rotate, you know, for the final times. You no, know? I have no idea what you, My gosh, I have no idea what you're talking about. Joel. Okay. So it used to be the boards, sometimes a number would stick, you know? And so this one kid did a 50 and like, you know, it doesn't matter where the times like, you know, 2395 sticks on the board. And she actually went 23, 85 you know a tenth of a second faster oh, 95 in tears crying comes out doesn't want to talk to anyone I'm never gonna swim again like about two hours later like you're coming back you're in finals what's going on like i didn't make it back in finals like at 2385 makes it back in finals you did fine i went 2385 and then, like, everything was like all of a sudden you know the sun is a little bit brighter it's a little bit warmer you know butterflies are flying around and it was just went for like a tenth of a second. And it's just how out of tune sometimes we are with our races. And I was thinking like, you know, again, she's done with the race. I knew enough like, hey, this is not a good time to like, hey, let's, let's do a breakdown of the race. You know, and I yeah. think that's part of it is like, again, they're in an emotional state. We need kind of a, a time where they can kind of downregulate, like bring themselves back, cool themselves off and, and then go through it. But then started to think about what we tell our athletes. And I remember when I first started coaching, be like, here's the laundry list, kind of like, Look how smart I am. I've got 84 right. things I can tell you what you did wrong. And then right there is like what you did wrong. So I've already kind of like, no matter what the race was, 
here was something that we can do better and looking at that as the positive. Oh, we can keep getting faster versus the, hey, I was really happy with that race. Kind of, kind of like, you know, just get a new girlfriend and all your friends are like, oh, yeah, really nice. And that voice doesn't bother you, huh? Like, no. <laughs> and, and that other stuff the, is going on. It's okay. Yeah. So man, the, the you analogy know, to down to about here where you're like that race, it was, no, it's fine. And if you do this, 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 it'll be great. Right. But now you're good. The, the analogy I was using with somebody I was coaching earlier this week is that that feedback on what you did wrong, that yeah. here's a way of looking at how valuable it is, is like, imagine if you told me, hey, Chris, your hair looks stupid. And I go, oh, it does? My hair looks stupid? Now, do I know what to do with my hair? Do I know how to do something with my yeah. hair? They're like, no, all I know is my hair looks stupid. That's yeah. it. Like, how useful is that information in terms of me making a change in, in, in my life, in my appearance? Basically so, zero. So, yeah. So, for, so what I tried to kind of start to do after I started to figure out, like, that's probably not the way to go about it, is, is starting to kind of try to get them more in tune with their swim, where, where the time is, is part of it, obviously. And that's the unfortunate thing is we have, like, our season, like, 2022 to 2023, so that whole season, all we're focused on is what happened in 2023, February. What happened on that one month? Everything up to that point is now either justified or was just a waste of your time. You know, where it become, and again, it was like a tenth of a second. Such a minuscule amount of time. And nine months working together, relationships, friendships, whatever they had developed through swimming did not matter because one tenth of a second was it. And so we started kind of thinking about, getting them to start to be more on board with the idea that it's their race and that if they felt it was a good race, awesome. Um, but also kind of going, let's kind of look at these, these things that, Hey, if you, if you got a final swim, what can we do to get a little bit quicker and, and kind of frame it in a way that was more positive. And that's again, Hey, that's, that's your specialty. That's why I thought I'd ask right. you if that was again, I tried to do it where I get rid of the laundry list give maybe two, three bullet points that we could talk about and more like I'm at the meet more looking for systematic flaws. What are things I see with the whole team that we need to improve on? You know, starts, turns, stroke technique, breathing pattern, whatever it might be. That's kind of what I'm looking at. And then when they're done with their race, I'd ask them what they thought of it. You know, again, well, that way I can start to understand what are they valuing? What are they getting out of practices? What are they putting, thinking about in the race? You know, was it beating that one person? I beat that person. Like, well, great. Because, you know, I want to reward them for what they were trying to do. And then in practice, if we need to reevaluate re and try to get them to think about something differently, then we could do that. But try not to do that at a race. A race is like, you know, you know you're, you're in a fight. Go out and fight. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about the technique of that a little bit later. And just looking for things we can clean up. And so kind of thinking what's short term, like what can we do better? What's long-term going down the line? Like what events are looking good? What, what events we could do better with? And then also like, um, again, more importantly though, just, just what, what, the, what they wanted to do. And I always looked at like freshman year, first two, three meets, I'd kind of tell them the three things I saw in the race, but I always wanted to know what they felt about that race first. And then after that, I wanted them to tell me what they thought about the race and what things they could work on to improve for next time or within that meet. And then we had all that. And then the weird part was, again, like with NCAAs coming now, you get all these seniors where they come up to you after their last race. They're still coming up to you. And you're like, you kind of want to tell them the stuff they're going to work on. But you're like, oh, that, that was it. And so that mm -hmm. end point, I always kind of wanted to be able to say, hey, 
I really, really enjoyed working with you. Um, you know, I uh, hope, hope you enjoyed being here. I hope you had a great career and uh, hope you're happy you chose this university or club or whatever it was. And that's, that's kind of what I want where, again, where we have like an end point to it versus it always seems like with swimmers, we have that hanging kind of a thing where like, I got my goal. Now what? You know, and, and right. that, that sets in. So those are like 18 different things to ready go. Well, so I'm feeling bad for right now for Hannah Barant because I recorded a podcast with her yesterday and my software just completely melted down. Um, it was a great podcast. And this was one of the things that we discussed. So I'm actually going to, for Hannah's sake, um, I'm going to try to represent some of the stuff that she said only because you bring it up. And then I feel, you know, like I'm feeling guilty that, you know, the next day I go out and record over a really nice point that that she had made in regards to some of these post-race conversations. And I can hear it in some of the stuff that you're talking about. Um, when I worked with her at Cleveland State, um, we'd come out of doing some stuff at Houston. And I, I told you guys on the podcast here earlier that, um, you know, Ryan Wakamurka had changed something based off of watching kids at uh, his invite in the way that he gave feedback after the race. And um, Hannah carried that with her to Cleveland State. And that was actually, they did no analysis post-race. No analysis immediately post-race, no analysis whatsoever. So the concept was actually swimmers touch the wall, just as you described, touch the wall, they see the time on the clock. They have an emotional reaction to the time. If they care about what's going on at all, they're in a heavily emotional state. They can come back and all... All we tried to focus on doing was that the swimmer could communicate their emotional state and the coach could validate their emotion. So swimmer goes, I went 23.95 and I'm so disappointed. And the coach would just say, yeah, I can tell you're really disappointed. And then swimmer moves on, goes down to the swim down pool. That's it. You know, because Part of what I see in this is, and I think you you highlighted it, is not only is it not helpful to tell people a bunch of stuff they, they did wrong, but when you're in an emotional state, you're not in that analytical, like you're not really able to process a lot of stuff analytically. You're not able to hold it in your working memory and do anything with it. So even if you were describing perfectly to them, like the steps that they could take, to improve in the future, they're not in the place to receive it in that moment, right? So allowing there to be some space between that initial emotional reaction, giving them actually time to experience and process the emotion, which they're going to be able to do better if they get that validated by the coach versus coach saying, well, you're not allowed to be pissed right now, or you should be happy right now, or any kind of like statement that sort of just goes like, you're wrong for feeling however you feel, right? To, to get them to that state of validation and then do exactly as you say, you can come back later and then you can get into the analytical space and start to put stuff into their working memory for the next competition. But you're also, the part where I come at it from is, I want, when I'm at a meet, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm getting swimmers to communicate to me about their how they're feeling. When I'm going like, 
hey, I know you're really pissed about this weekend. Why don't we get started on a plan so that you don't have a meet like this weekend again, right? Or I know, hey, seems like you feel, feel felt so great about this weekend, like there's a meet of your life. What went, what went well? Let's figure that out. So we can keep some of that stuff going, build on that for the future. Like, and so, you know, it creates the building block, that conversation for what you're going to talk about the next week in practice. You know, no, it's mean? interesting with that is, is, you know, Hannah ever at uh, Cleveland State, it, you know, being a university program it, is right away. Kids have been conditioned to where's my laundry list. You know, I, I want my, my top 10 things right there, you know, and, and, and that's, what, what I've seen, because a lot of times I would, I would be a little more technique based, it would be like they would rather have like the technical aspect being something that they can change versus, well, let's go question one. Were you really trying that hard? <laughs> you know, and uh, maybe we can that right now. But again, like you said, that that's not something I would have asked or said, but but it's, it's hard again when you're part of college coaching is that marketing aspect. Like I can't believe that she said that. And so it takes a little time for athletes to kind of get on board with that, that idea of like everyone always told me X, Y, Z after a race and my club coach, I was very successful with my club coach would say X, Y, Z. I want X, Y, Z. And again, it's like yeah. they, they want to be fed so many different things. And it's, it's hard sometimes, um, you know, again, when, when you're when you're new to a position or a position again, where you know, as, as a female head coach, there, there's a lot of pressures, and so that's why it'd be great to hear that podcast. Um, a lot of pressures on things like again that you don't seem like you're that far out of the norm because you already are out of the norm. You know, you already are right. the anomaly, and now you're the anomaly who's asking about this, 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 emotional, this, emotional, that, like oh, this, and everyone always kind of wants to put you in that box if you're too far one way. Or too far the other way and that's so going back to want to make a full circle here why i always cringe when we kind of bring up coaches names is is i don't know what all they're going through whether it's a male coach female coach whatever's going on with with, with them i think as coaches we're really capable of of just eviscerating one another <laughs> we are just we are just yeah. terrible with each other as coaches in the profession and this profession is pretty dang hard you know it's a lot of Basically, like everyone else is able to have like a community. Our community is, is like, you know, you're, you're by yourself in whatever town you're at. And then, you know, you, you get like ripped and there's there's no idea what's going on behind the scenes. And so I, I really like, again, that, that she's willing to basically, again, start to talk to athletes as, as human beings rather than, again, a commodity or a transactional thing where you haven't done X, Y, and Z. I need X, Y, and Z or you're, you know or we're going to look for someone else that can do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, and see now, but now it's going to be a better podcast because the second time that I record it with her, I'm going to bring what you just said into it because um, I think we didn't, you know, the first time talk so much about, you know, like this institutionalized aspect of it. Like, yeah, right. you're right. She, she must have swimmers that respond to her who are like, hey, why don't you just give me your analysis post-race? Yeah. Like, what, what the hell? Like I'm, that's how it's supposed to work. I'm supposed to race or, you know, like I can imagine she must have people, you know, like what if she just has like a volunteer coach on deck who goes, right. oh, well, Hannah's not, didn't give them any feedback on the race. So I guess I better do it. 
you know, yeah. like, and, and so, um, things I, out that can undermine your authority, especially when your authority is, is already just based on, you know, again, it's like the kids have trust in you and if anything yeah. diminishes that trust, whether it's a bad meet or an assistant coach going, Oh, well, let me explain that further. And that was one of the things is like, I always looked at is if we want to make change, something that's a well-learned activity, whatever, whatever it is, there has to be frustration to unlearn that. And the kids yeah. don't want frustration in their lives. They would just, just tell me kind of like, again, you're changing a stroke or changing a training pattern. Like you're putting a coat of paint on them. Well, that yeah. coat of paint didn't stick. Hit me one more time with it so I can move on with my day versus you need to be frustrated. You need to be challenged. You need to think this through. It has to be you adapting to that. And so the same thing here where you have a coach saying, you know, validating your emotions. You're like, well, I didn't get anything out of that. You know, that's the, that's the easy way to go. I didn't get what I'm used to getting out of that. Right. You know, what they got out of that was actually a lot. What they wanted out of that was the simple, give me like, you know, the breadcrumb, whatever it is I need. Yeah. And then I can just go, that's why it was. And I can move on with my day. You know, right. it's, it's kind of like, again, almost like we're creating excuses. Sometimes I think when we, when we say what's wrong here, there, why, uh, I, I, versus the, Hey, it's just it's get into the sock and enjoy it for a minute here. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. I think that's a good, that's a good oh, stopping actually point. Be a really good way to bring in the next podcast that you do with Hannah where you'd bring up, like, if you ever had, like, a sponsor for a podcast, you'd mention them, a little shout-out to sponsors. Well, it's funny you mentioned that, Joel, as I was about to wrap up here, but we do have a new sponsor. We're not fully ready to roll it out as a sponsor, but I, I'm just going to – I'm going to give, like, a sponsor tease because I uh, – the you know, everything's been done, but but – the last uh, T crossed and the last I dotted. The Magic Five is coming on as a sponsor of the Swim Brief. It's awesome. These goggles are awesome. That's my that's my review um, of the Magic Five. And what's awesome about them is because they're fitted to your face, uh, you don't have to wear them as tightly as other pairs of goggles. So I'm always a person. I have really my eyes are really deep inset into my face. So with a lot of goggles, especially like the old school suctiony ones, I had to like suction them into my face, like really like wear them real tight and real close to my face. And I'd come out with those ugly, you know, marks on the other side of it. Before I wore a Swedish pair of goggles that had these indents on my face after swimming, this is a goggle I can wear real comfortably, real loose. Um, and it's just, it, it, it's, uh, it almost feels like you're not wearing them just feels like you can see underwater. So um, I, I think they're great and uh, we're excited to bring them on as a sponsor. And what we're going to end up doing is you're going to offer a promo code here and you're going to be able to get money off um, a purchase of the Magic 5 goggles and you're going to support this podcast by doing it. Um, so we're really excited to have them coming on as a sponsor. And I'll, I'm going to look forward to you, Joel, getting your pair so you can give your, your review of, of what you think. Sounds good. Cause you were just scanning your face before we did this. So you don't have them yet, but you're, you're, you're just a few days away. I'm very, I'm very excited about them. I, I've seen a few people at the pool with them and they've spoken yeah. very highly of them. So I, I, I'm definitely excited about this. Yeah. Um, if you want bite-sized positive psychology content, it, it's Instagram, Christy underscore coach, see some coach on Facebook. This podcast is uploaded to YouTube. You can find 
the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, this is the last week to sign up for my positive psychology and coaching course. Um, a few spots left for that. If you're interested, go to christycoach.com. There's a positive psych education tab at the top. You can just click right through there to, to sign up. Um, really excited to get that going next week. And Joel, thanks as always for joining me. Thank you. Thank you everybody to listen, for listening and uh, we'll see you again.